Welcome to the Oddcast, brought to you by the Odyssey NFT Experience, seeking to deliver value to creators, collectors, DeFi natives, and DGENs. Every episode, we will speak with personalities across the space about all things NFT in an effort to celebrate, explore, and educate about the many facets of this incredible creator economy. I'm your host, Flame, and I'm here with a promise to keep it interesting, uplifting, and always odd. Let's get into it. We are here to first and foremost celebrate the artists and innovators from all corners of the space within the Odyssey community and beyond. There will be news, there may be alpha, but there will be nothing that should ever be mistaken for financial advice. Always, always, always DYOR, friends. And with that, let's get to our next incredible guest of the Oddcast, Jared Armijo. Jared Armijo is a minimalist photographer, poet, and digital artist who uses his synesthesia, in this case chromesthesia, to inform and shape his work. His art can currently be found on Foundation and Super Rare. And in this chat, we get into his artistic background, his creation process, what it's like to create using synesthesia, and all things NFT. Just to give everybody a little background on you personally, you're a photographer, you're a writer, you're an artist, you have synesthesia. Can you give us some background on all of that and maybe tell us a little bit about what first drew you to art and photography? Did the synesthesia have anything to do with that? So what synesthesia is, it's like a neurological condition where it's like my um, synapses are kind of mixed matched. And so like, if I hear certain sounds, I used to just be music, but I'll just say sounds um, will trigger colors and shapes that come into my mind so in that aspect I listen to music um, when I go out and photograph the landscape Um, and while I'm watching the landscape the light the shadows change and you know just all the landscape um, I have the music on and it helps me visualize what the environment can look like with different colors and different shapes And by shapes, I mean how I photograph the landscape. If you look at my work, uh, it's very uh, shape-oriented. You notice a lot of squares, triangles, rectangles, and I control your eye um, by color shape and also just like visual shape. So it's like multi, um, there's multi levels to each photograph if you actually take the time to dissect it and how I control your eye um with color and shape uh and form uh you know i had synesthesia since i was little but i never really knew i i what it was until i would say high school when i actually (laughs) i was listening to um what musician was it i think it's lord or something or Enya. (laughs) i don't know either way the song came on on the radio and i said to my friend i was like oh wow these colors are really pretty um, she was like, what are you talking about? And uh, <laughs> and I was like, the colors, the shapes, you know, like, that's what the song makes you think or see. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> and so then like, I, I Googled it because I was like, oh, like, that's not normal. <laughs> and so, and, and then I Googled, I was like, oh, I have chromesthesia, which is a type of synesthesia. And as again, when you listen to certain music or uh, sounds, it triggers these colors and shapes um, into your head. 
So in retrospect, um, it's funny now that I go back in time and think uh, and reminisce about my past and as growing up as a child, it's like I would have music on in the background sometimes. And I used to draw these empty shapes onto a piece of white paper and then color them accordingly, depending on what was being heard at the time, you know, from music and I didn't really connect the dots until recently, like about three or four years ago. And I was just like, oh shit, like it's been actively in my art without me actually knowing it's in my art. Um, the same with like dark room when I started 15 years ago in um, high school, I used to really alter my photographs a lot uh, by coloring them, scratching them up, doing different type of processes like cyanotype or van dyke or stitching with different color threads and making shapes onto the photographs itself um i did all kinds of weird things and i didn't really know where i got the inspiration from until i recently thought about it was like reflecting and like oh that's the part of the synesthesia that i just didn't realize i was utilizing and getting the ideas from i've always been naturally creative and i didn't you know, I know like some people are naturally more creative than others, but I had the source of inspiration, which was the synesthesia the whole time. And again, it's not till like years ago when I started reflecting and trying to include my synesthesia um, that <laughs> I just didn't realize I had it until then, you know, and now I'm starting to include it a lot more in my work. So I, I really want people to get the idea of what it, my synesthesia is like and how I view the world. Um, and how pretty it can be and, you know, connecting all the dots with my stories and whatnot. That makes a lot of sense, especially looking at your work, which I think is very striking in terms of the beauty. I feel like, you know, now that I know that you have chromesthesia, which I didn't realize that there were different forms of synesthesia, um, and you described to me, like, how it affects you and, you know, what you perceive because of it, when I look at your art, it does, to me, it translates based on the colors, based on the minimalistic vibe and these beautiful landscapes, to me, it does come across. It actually really informs me, I think, about your approach to your work, which is super cool. What else inspires you when it comes to creating these landscapes and uh, creating this type of art? And I guess further, what motivated you to incorporate that with your writing, with your poetry? So like my early uh, 20s, and I'll say my early adulthood period was really rough. Um, I had a lot of things going on that negatively affected me um, quite a bit to the point where I was suicidal. So I didn't want to die, but I had the urge to. (laughs) And I laugh about it now, but like, (laughs) but it's the truth. And so... um, eventually like where all my art stems from at the core is me being okay as a human and that being said it's my work is truly about finding the beauty in anything and everything whether it be good um negative or just very um basic (laughs) and you know that's life and i kind of want to highlight all those aspects and kind of in a weird sense is to 
neutralize all that so it just becomes a neutral event rather than a positive or a negative it's a rather balanced even effect at the end of like creating my art piece if that makes sense so it's about translating those thoughts and those emotions and those negative life events or positive um and again at the end creating something that is just neutral and balanced so if you look at my work a lot of my work is very balanced and neutral the colors are not too intense. The shapes are very balanced, not too intense. It's very minimal, but a bit surreal and abstract. And I think that's what life is about, right? Um, and what I want my life to be about, I suppose, at the end, is having these collections of events and whether they be positive or negative, it's just to make them neutral and being okay at the end of the day. Um, so <laughs> in that aspect, it's a very complex situation. So because life is complex, it's how can I make these life events um, neutral? And, you know, and then I started writing. I started writing out my thoughts, diarying, diary, yeah, <laughs> journaling <laughs> um, my life. And then I was like, well, how can I feel better? Because I'm still not better. Um, when I was going through all my issues in my early 20s, um, I had to figure out how to become neutral. And that was very difficult, uh, especially coming from someone who was being suicidal at the time and like planning out my death and um, even writing my like letters to people and just saying like, sorry, but like this is what's going to happen. Um, it's like, how do I neutralize all those thoughts and events right and so it's like <laughs> I wanted to create art that would help balance me out and by doing that I did writing with the poetry so I'd write down all my life events all these negative things or whatever life event positive whatever and then I'm like well how do I connect it to a photograph that I made and or how do I create something that represents it metaphorically? Like if you look at this photograph and you think about what I just said and read what I said, how does that connect? So it was like, it's just a giant puzzle piece. <laughs> and I finally was able to connect all the dots um, with my writing to the actual photograph. Um, and then I was like, well, let's take it a step further because at that point, say five years down the road after um, me moving to Oregon and me being finally okay with my past. Um, how can I elevate um, my work? Um, and I was like, well, you know, I have synesthesia. Like, how do I connect that as well? And I was like, you know what? I can photograph a certain way to show off the shapes. And then I can post-process all my colors back in that I see from the music um, at home. So then it's like another level and another level and then another level, right? So at the end, you get like this photograph that has a lot of different levels to it, essentially. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> I just kind of went on a rant. <laughs> Give a lot of insight into your work. And, you know, I'm sorry that you had to you know, experience difficulty in your life, but I think it's really beautiful how you channeled that adversity and found a way to, you know, express it not only as an artist, but it sounds like in a way to essentially make peace with, heal from, you know, 
these things that you experienced and these things that you went through to get to that neutral place. Speaking of your process, what is involved with creating some of these photographs? Because it does look like there's a bit involved. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people like look at my work and I go, it's just very minimal. But I'm like, you have to think about like, there's, it's very complex. Um, I like, you know, minimal scenes, but I also like them to have a complexity that you might not see um, right away. Or if you actually take the time to read and then look at, like, oh, wow, like, holy crap, like, <laughs> it kind of like, it's just like, like, boom, you know, <laughs> after you uh, actually understand what's going on. Um, you know, the process is essentially, I like to write down a lot of my thoughts, like I said earlier. Um, and then I start playing around with words and then I'm like, well, how can I make this life event poetic? And a lot of my work is very Zen. A lot of people say it's like very peaceful and balanced. And I, and that's the whole point, right? It's to, at the end of the day, to create a piece that is very balanced and neutral. Um, and at, you know, when it's me coming to peace with that life event or idea or, you know, whatever the thought was. Um, so again, it's about the writing and then I go out to the landscape and generally speaking now, I used to be a big planner, but now I'm more of like on the fly, like I'll just go to this place and then I'll explore it. I'll, you know, walk around, hike around and I'll look for landscapes while listening to some music and see what landscape fits into the poem or the idea. And sometimes I have like taken the shot and then wrote after the fact and like, okay, this will fit that, you know, I didn't really see it out in the field, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, now this connects with it after, you know, editing or whatever. Um, but more so most of the time it's, I have the ideas going into the field. It's just about finding the landscapes that will best represent that life event or, you know, idea for me personally. And, uh, you know, after that, it's about post-processing all the colors back in um, that I saw while listening to that music while I was on the field. So I'll come back home, you know, I'll edit, I'll go through my shots and see what works or what are crappy shots, delete them, you know, that sort of deal. And then um, I'll pick out the shots and start coloring them essentially in uh, Photoshop to match what my colors are with my synesthesia. Wow, that's so cool. I think it's amazing that they imprint on you in such a way that you can go back in the post-process. Do you write them down or can you just recall them? Uh, both. Um, that's the thing. Is like, I can do both. Like, I, I have a synesthesia playlist, I call it, <laughs> where I keep adding songs to it, essentially. And then I'm like, oh, I like the colors of this or I like the shapes of this. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever use it right now, but like eventually, you know, I can flip through and be like, okay. So it's like almost creating a library in my head of colors and shapes from music. Um, and then realizing which song will best fit into the landscape, right? Because like not all songs work in every landscape. So some colors sometimes I see are just so freaking vibrant and wild that it's not easy to balance whatsoever. But I'm like, you know, I love the colors of it. It's very out there. It's very unique. Um, I'll save it, but, the, you know, I might not use it ever. Or if I do, it might be years from now or a year later. You know, I don't know. 
Um, like a prime example is um, I have a photograph in my super rare series of Born from Sand called Strip of Reality. Um, and it's a sand abstract single exposure photograph. All of those are actually. Um, where I was listening to, I think it was Grimes and um, who else was it? I think it was Grimes and uh, must have been like Florence and the Machine or something. But Grimes has very vibrant, weird colors like lime greens and yellows and sometimes like these lightning blues or purples that gradient to like a yellow or green anyway the colors are freaking out there because she's out there <laughs> yeah it tracks yeah it definitely and, tracks yeah and so it's like well i love the colors but like how does that translate to the landscape it doesn't generally speaking but like I, with that specific photograph i was able to translate those colors into the photograph that made sense because generally my colors are very balanced and very like calming and the, but her colors can sometimes just be so like boom boom out there and it's like, how do I get that into a photograph? So those kind of colors are kind of difficult to play with, but I always keep like a library of music and colors and shapes for an opportunity to show it off. You know what I mean? Wow. I can't imagine what it's like to be able to utilize something that you visualize that way in order to inform your art. I don't know. I think it's just really cool insight. I think it really adds even more depth and meaning like when you're looking at the image to have that context, which is one of the things I think that's super cool about the way this space is developing now. I feel like the access and the connection between collectors and artists has developed in such a different way. I think it's broadened. How do you feel about all that? Like, how do you feel about this new environment? Do you think there is a greater connection between artists and collectors? I do. Um, and, I, you know, it's one of my favorite aspects about this space in general is the fact that I'm able to connect and have conversations with my collectors and other artists as well about the work. Um, it was weird at first, but it also makes sense to me. Um, I guess I've always wanted people to own my work that actually loved it and had a conversation with me and uh, connected with me on a personal level. Um, but, you know, not every artist wants that and not every collector wants that because <laughs> I've sold pieces before the space and it was just like, I want that. Okay, bye. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> enjoy it. You know, <laughs> thanks for buying it. <laughs> bye. <laughs> but they didn't really know what the hell was going on half the time with it or like they didn't connect with it. They didn't have the conversation with me. Like, why is this piece the way it is? You know what I mean? Um, some people did, but I'll say it's way more prevalent in this space, which I love. Like, um, when I was in NFT New York City, um, this past uh, NFT event, New York event, uh, I got to talk to this collector randomly, uh, Bat Soup, who's a really awesome, sweet guy. Like, I was, like, shocked that he was so nice. <laughs> but... Um, we just had a short conversation one time. I think it was like, everyone was exhausted after like the third day there. But he's like, hey, so I've actually seen some of your work on Super. And I was like, wow, you actually saw some of my work. Holy crap, that's cool. You know, <laughs> like I'm surprised. Um, 
And then he asked me questions about it, you know, like, what is your synesthesia? Like, what does that mean? Like, what, it, why is it this way? Why did you color it that way? Like, he just asked me these very awesome questions and I answered them and, you know, then I was like, okay, bye. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you know, like no, no biggie. And then like the next day I realized like he bought uh, one of my pieces and I was like, he's like, I bought it because of that conversation. And I loved what you said you know, about your work, like what your artwork is actually about. And he's like, I didn't realize it was so complex because it's so minimal and kind of surreal. I just didn't know it had all this other, these other levels, but that's what this space is about. And this is what I love about the space is like, I can explain myself if you ask, you know, and have this conversation with me. And it's been awesome, honestly. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, Bat Soup Yum, by all measures, I mean, he's definitely a known collector in the space. And I remember that piece selling. It was, I think, one of the pieces that introduced me to your work, which I think was probably because of a tweet that Kath Samard put out. I think that's how I found oh. out about you. And um, she's awesome. I mean, she's, she's awesome. so supportive of other artists and other photographers. I got to give her she, a big hug. I think, <laughs> oh that's so York. cool and i was like yeah, oh my she... god so nice to finally meet you she's so sweet and funny i love how weird and funny she is it's my jam <laughs> yeah she's she's everything that's great about the space really and photography and art she really is kind of the pinnacle of all that i've seen your art i respect your art i think it's really amazing and it that makes perfect sense to me that i found out about you because of her and then it makes perfect sense to me that the piece that i really wanted went to bat soup yum um, but I think it's really, really cool that you were able to have that conversation and that's what inspired him to collect that. You know, it's just another story out of a multitude of stories that reminds me that we're in sort of a, a new frontier. Kat Samard was living in her car, basically, taking yeah. photographs, I think, until she blew up in the space. And now she is on a completely different level. She and is. I think deservedly so. And I think that's the same case for... You know, everybody who's now able to make a living creating photography for creating art in this digital realm um, in a way that they weren't before it really seems to be leveling the playing field in a oh, way that, that yeah. you know, the traditional art world wasn't. Do you feel like that's been the case for you so far? Yes. Um, and I, I love Web3 and I love this space. Like... I've always been a nerdy gamer uh, <laughs> growing up. I still am, <laughs> you know, like I love playing video games. I play them like every day. Um, it's just my jam. And coming into this space, I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me in some sense of like me playing like World of Warcraft with randos or like Final Fantasy XIV with randos. And like, I don't know, like it's just very digital and very me. <clears throat> I also like the weird and funny humor and so internet humor, you know, so that's kind of my jam as well. So I, I feel like, honestly, I fit in more here than I would do in say the traditional art world. And there's nothing against it. Cause I still do. I try to do a lot of things with the traditional art world as well um, with publications, magazines, and I'm trying to like go into more galleries and, you know, that sort of deal. Uh, I like to have my eggs everywhere, not just in one basket. <laughs> but I'll have to say where I have the most fun and I think it's way more open um, is Web3 in the space. Um, I think it's in some sense 
easier to break through because it's so young still too. And people are more accepting of, I feel, art. Um, whether they agree or disagree with the quality or the aesthetic of the art itself, I still feel like people are way more open to art in this space, which is, I don't know, like I feel like well, it's just, it's just, everywhere is judgmental, um, but I just feel like people are more open to different ideas here and they like to see it, you know, like they like the experimentation. They like to see everyone growing, trying new things. And in some sense, it's like people want to support the actual artist here and they want to get to know that person. And it's like they're trying to help you on your journey as an artist. I feel more so than I'd say web two, but that's my bias, right? So <laughs> that's just my humble opinion and what I experienced um, between web two, you know, stuff and like web three stuff. I just feel like people in web three are a bit more open to different ideas and different concepts and different types of art um and they're they want to see you experiment and they you know it's another thing too is like they just want to support your journey as an artist i feel like whereas web 2 like people just didn't seem to say that or mm, they care but it's not like i want to support you on your artist journey you know what i mean like i want to be there i want to like give you the income to help you progress and become a better artist. Whereas I feel like Web3, it's like that, which is kind of nice, you know? And it gives everyone a, a leveling play field here. If you work hard and you market and, you know, you become a community member of this space and promote other artists and, you know, become friends with people, it's um, really rewarding. I, I feel and you know and I might be biased because I've had sales and you know I've had some success in this space but overall I, I like I said like I love this space so I love what it's about I know there's cons to it um, there's cons to every space um, but it, it, you know I love the humor and I love the community aspect to this space and a lot more than I would say web too but that's just me Oh sure, and I know no neither of us are throwing shade no, no, at no. <laughs> two or or the traditional art world. I love it all. I think what's great about Web three and NFTs and the digital art space and everything that it's done for artists and collectors and connecting one another and creating these newfound communities, whether it's Discord servers or on Twitter, is that it's actually helping, right? Yeah. Like it's to me, it seems like it's actually helping traditional art. And it's helping Web2 because it's creating these broader connections and that bleed into these other worlds, I think it's just connecting us more, you know, and it's making things more appealing on, on all levels. You know, like I'm more interested now in traditional art because of digital art. I have more respect for what happens with uh, Web2 and everything involved with artists now because of my involvement with Web3 and digital art. Like you said, there are pros and cons to all of it. But it does feel like a renaissance in many ways. I mean, I never would have expected to have the opportunity to speak with artists about their art in this way, in this format, 
before I got involved in this space. I didn't even know that that was an interest. And now I really can't take in enough art and learn enough about artists and their processes and, you know, dig into their portfolios. It's like a daily meditative, medicinal, exciting, vibrant addition to my life. And I never want to give it up. That's sort of the underpinning of where the longevity is in this space, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. art will always exist. People will always be producing it. But I think what has given so many people a shot in the arm when it comes to all this creativity and innovation is how much more connected we are and how much more we get to be involved with one another in a really healthy way. You know, it's a, it's just a whole new experience. And I think that's really special. Oh, it really is. You know, and hopefully it's drawing more people to art and supporting art, but not only that, like actually wanting to know about the artist and why the art is the way it is and all that good stuff. And I agree with you because like ultimately like what gets me the most excited about like when selling a piece of art is when someone actually connects with it and then they say they connect with it and or if they ask why did you do it this way or that way like they keep like they really show the personal interest in that photograph or you know that piece of art um it's so satisfying in a lot of different ways and you know like every piece of mine i always include a physical if they want a physical some people don't because they're like no i'm digital only i'm like oh yeah that makes sense but you know when the people actually want a physical for their home of that piece that they bought i get so freaking excited and happy because like as much as i love digital my i love seeing a physical piece of art as well and seeing it printed however they want whatever size and then they get excited like holy crap like i get to look at this every day i wake up you know even if i get rid of the nft or whatever it's like i still own this physical piece i can see every day i don't know it's just so exciting it's awesome i love i just love it honestly i couldn't agree more i think having a connection between the physical and the digital is really amazing i have experienced that myself. Like I have physical pieces from artists whose work I've collected digitally. And I also think it's cool when artists create physical versions of their art that you can purchase, but maybe you couldn't get the the digital piece, you know, like there are artists that, you know, you can buy prints of their digital work online without having to own the NFT. I think it's all great. Oh, I agree. And it's just another way to be able to immerse yourself in art. You know, that's the funny thing about art, whether it's photography or video or static art, anything that runs the gamut, right? Right. Like, I think until you really dive in, until you really get a taste of what's out there and you experience that, that evocation, you know, like that, that visceral response to those things that make your hair stand on its end, you know, or, you know, like the top of your head tingle, like, or just like, you feel like this internal warm glow, like whatever it is, whatever it is that, that produces a response from you that makes you feel a certain way that you like, if you haven't gotten that from art, I, I hope, you know, I hope anybody that hasn't gotten that feeling can find it because honestly, I truly believe in a better place if we spent more time focused on art versus, you know, some of these other unfortunate things that really don't seem to be like a good use of our 
energy as human beings. Um, I agree with you. I appreciate your contribution in that in that way too. It it really is like a moving, calming experience, and then coupled with the writing, which you know I don't think everyone can do poetry well. I think it's a hard thing to do well, and I think I think you do it well. Thank so you. I think it's it's a rare thing to see those two combined and to feel like it works consistently in the way it does with your work, in my opinion. So ah, I, I think that's really cool. That. Um, <laughs> a lot. Thank you. I uh, was kind of curious too, like in terms of inspiration, who inspires your work, like, and your artistic approach? Well, you know, I like to have a variety of inspirations and I, you know, one thing I've learned is you always have to break the cycle as an artist um, and break your own rules in order to grow. Um, so I'll say this, like my main inspirations, of course, are like Georgia O'Keeffe, the painter. Um, she's, a, you know, she's a great representation of New Mexico where I'm from. And I'm super proud to say that, you know, I'm from New Mexico and I'm a New Mexican, Spanish and Native American. Um, and I, you know, she's just been such a huge inspiration for me. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was trying to learn how to balance my synesthesia out um, through my photography, um, I looked to her and see how she worked with colors um, and her abstract ways, <laughs> I guess you can say, um, to help balance out my own synesthesia. So I actually went on a trip to Ghost Ranch, and that's where she lived and painted um, for a while. And I spent two days out there, full on days from sunrise to sunset, post twilight. Um, and I basically sat in the same couple areas throughout those two days to help understand where she got her inspiration from, because she was such a master of color in her beautiful paintings of the uh, flowers, like creating such shapes that it almost made it look like something else completely. And I was like, well, how is she doing that? I want to learn how that way I can do the same thing, but with my synesthesia. And so I'll have to say spending those two days out there where she lived, understanding the landscape and how the light changed the colors of the whole landscape. Because if you actually go out there, you'll realize it is an actual rainbow of spectrum on throughout the whole landscape and throughout the whole day sunrise sunset daylight um it alters the color so much dramatically to change from like purple to a red from red to a blue and you get to realize like she took such inspiration from this landscape specifically so i'll have to say that she's one of my main ones and then i would say like Hayao miyazaki um you know studio ghibli uh totoro um you know howl's moving castle i actually went to the uh his museum in japan uh years ago as well to get a better understanding of how to make powerful impactful simple scenery like scenes really and he i felt personally that um he was really good at that and i just didn't know how he did it and so going through all his behind the scenes stuff at that museum with the drawings of paintings, animation clips, I was better able to understand how to create such an impactful scene with very little. Um, he's also just, I've lived in Japan when I was little for four years. Um, so Japan has a huge influence on me as well. So I like the very simplistic Zen like, um, 
you know, structuring, I guess, to art. So again, that's another inspiration, but then I go to like video games cause like I'm such a big gamer, you know? So like uh, Final Fantasy uh, to Kingdom Hearts to other JRPGs um, that kind of inspired me to think a little bit more outside the box in terms of like surrealism. So again, it's like, I try to pull all these different inspirations everywhere. Um, and I try to add more as I grow as an artist so I can keep myself fresh and think of new ideas as well. That's so cool that you decided to go to ghost ranch and experience that. I didn't realize that that was part, uh, like that, that whole color scheme was, was there in that physical way. And Miyazaki, I see it, you know, like when you tell me that those are two of your major influences and inspirations, I, I see it in your work. It's really cool that those inspirations translate but also translate in such an original way because I, you know, there are other minimalist artists in the space and, you know, sometimes you see similarities uh, across people's work, but at the same time, I do think you have a distinctive and unique style. You know, there are other artists like you that I really appreciate, but I still think they're, you know, they're, they're in their own lane as well. And that's, what's beautiful about the space is, you know, people can inspire each other. Mm -hmm. People's work can remind people of other people's work. But it's not a competition. No. Right? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> even stuff that's derivative, I mean, I still think is it can be amazing art. It's awesome to, to hear about your process and your inspirations and the chromesthesia because knowing all that and like then looking at the art and being able to see how that all comes together to create these pieces, it's just a really it's just really cool information. Thank you. As far as artists who are you know, curious about getting into the space and maybe curious about getting into photography. Do you have any advice? Um, for, so two things. Okay. So to get into the space, <laughs> so I went into the space uh, by myself, <laughs> which was really difficult. Um, I, I, you know, I, it's my, I've been in this space for over a year now. Um, and it's crazy to think it's been only a year because it feels like a lifetime, <laughs> as you know, uh, being in an empty space is very encompassing and time seems to fly by faster. And a lot of events happen here and there. So I guess my advice for people who wanting to come into the space is um, don't be afraid to reach out to established artists and ask simple questions um, on, you know, where can I find the topic of like how to set up a wallet, you know, that sort of deal or how do I join a Twitter space or are they important? You know, like these simple questions, do you, I think it's very important that you just ask all these questions. Like when I first came into the space, I was very timid um, because I was alone. Um, I started with zero followers. I didn't know anything about crypto. I never understood the ecosystem. I didn't know what really ETH was, Bitcoin, Solana, Tez, you name it. I, you know, NFTs, really, I didn't know anything. Um, and it's very overwhelming for people coming into the space to understand, like, what the hell is going on. But I didn't ask a lot of questions. Like, I just sat back and watched, which isn't a bad thing. But I, in some aspect, I really do wish I just asked a lot more questions coming in. I would have made some better decisions on certain um things that I did or, you know, and I just didn't know. 
so for that, again, ask questions. And uh, I can't remember your second question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, coming into photography, right? Just start shooting. Uh, you know, start shooting things you like. And then, you know, even if that's with your iPhone or anything, disposable camera, it doesn't really matter. Equipment doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I honestly would just say just start photographing what you like asking people for critiques in a nice way um because some people are just kind of (laughs) rude but you know get some trusted people that can actually give you proper feedback and not just say it's good it's a banger it's fire (laughs) like (laughs) that's not that helpful it's i have a couple trusted companions um mainly uh tara workman who's been on my journey um for the past seven, eight years with me. I, I always shoot with her. Uh, all of our photo trips are mostly together. Um, but she's one of the few people I can trust to give me an honest opinion um, to help critique my work and see what I could do better. Um, I think it's very important for someone coming into the photography space in general, starting is just to find those people that you're able to communicate with and that want to help you get better, you know, uh, and of course you just have to keep shooting and keep shooting and get critique critique. And then you finally find your own path and what you're interested in. And it just starts evolving from there. Before we wrap it up, I was just wondering if you had anything that you wanted to talk about as far as what you're currently working on and maybe what's inspiring that work. My super rare series born from sand. I really love doing that, creating that small series. It's just of four images, but I'm slowly adding more to it as I go. Um, I, that, that, that's going to be probably like an ongoing process for years, I think, but I'm going to be extremely picky about what I add to it. And it's all from sand, you know, sand abstracts and with my synesthesia. Um, so I've been working on a couple pieces for that, to be honest. And I've also been working on a new collection, um, that, uh, it's unique and different and weird. Um, compared to what I've been doing, but it's still me and you can tell it's still me. So I'm really looking forward to releasing that um, probably within the next month or so, uh, depending on how I feel about the final calling of the images. Like I don't want just crap in it. (laughs) So I'm gonna make sure every image has its place um, appropriately. And if, you know, take out the ones that just don't work as well. I want each one to hold its own. Like if you're, if we're hanging in a room, can it be a single piece? You know what I mean? And hold its own and hold your interest. So um, I've been working on that. Um, Yeah. Uh, And it's been fun. It's been fun doing that series because it's a very different series. It's, it's to pay homage to my old former self of doing film photography, but with digital. So it's basically uh, basically imagery that looks like old film and old techniques that I used to do that I don't do anymore because I use digital. So it's a, it's kind of a fun way to play on old my old self and create it into a new former self <laughs> in some sense. Oh, nice. Well, I, I got to say it has been a real privilege to get to sit with you and speak with you about your art today and just get to meet you period. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me for a conversation and 
I'm so much more excited about, you know, following your work and keeping track of everything that you're up to and hopefully helping, you know, get the word out. Yeah. Thanks again. It was a real honor. All right. Thank you for even having me and asking me to even be on. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. Seriously. Um, I love doing these kind of things. Like it's fun. And um, thanks for choosing me. Oh yeah, no worries. I hope you do a lot more because honestly, this was really like one of my favorite conversations about art to date. So thank you. Jared truly is an incredible artist and human being. I can't wait to catch up with him again. Be on the lookout for his next drop with Aeneas Middleton on Super Rare. Links in the podcast description. We have another great guest lined up for our next episode. Please don't miss it. You'll be able to find it along with all other episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for continuing to support Odyssey, art, and innovation. See you soon.